Okay, okay, everybody. Is it possible to have a soapbox behind the pulpit? Gene Shields, is that possible to do? All right, okay. All right, let me get, let's just get, have y'all ever watched these movies that they make on Jesus' life? I mean, there have been many throughout the years. You know, back in the 50s, they got real popular, and then, re- I mean, even recently. Well, there's a couple things that kind of bug me about those. I mean, they're great, they're moving, they're, they're great, but first of all, why does everybody speak with a British accent? <laughs> Ever thought about that? And why does Jesus always look like he's from Northern Europe instead of the Middle East? I've always wondered that. Why can't you cast somebody that looks like where they're from? And in these movies, you can always spot immediately who Judas is, can't you? Because he's the one who looks so evil and conniving and, you know. And, and I don't know why. Well, I know why, but it just kind of bugs me why they always portray Thomas as a negative, cynical sourpuss. Oh, Jesus, that'll never work. Why? It's because this one passage in John. I wish for once they would treat Thomas a little differently. Now, you know, we don't know much about Thomas. But we do know more about him than we do some of the other disciples. Some of the other disciples are just, are just named in a list. But Thomas, we know a little bit more about. And, and, and actually, you know, to be honest, throughout church history we've discovered that Thomas is actually his last name. Y'all know what his first name is? Doubting. Isn't that his first name? Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. I mean, how would you like everybody in history to know you as Doubting Thomas? Or Negative Nelly. Maniacal Mike. How would you like to be known as something like that throughout history? You know, I've always felt a little sorry for Thomas. Can you tell? I mean, after all, like, like the other disciples, Thomas left everything to follow Jesus. We, we see in Scripture that, that he's a twin, and he even left his twin brother to follow Jesus. And you know how, you know how close twins can be. It's known that around 52 AD, uh, Thomas left Israel and that whole region to become a missionary in India. Uh, And we think he was martyred. He actually gave his life for Christ about 20 years later in, in India. You know, yet all the world seems to focus on Thomas' interaction with the risen Jesus in John chapter 20. That's all we focus on. So this morning, in the short time that we have, I'd like for us to take a look at all the evidence in the Bible to see if we can paint a picture of this man, to see who he was, and to see if he really deserves the title Doubting Thomas. So let's begin with our scripture passage today. Thomas wasn't with the other ten disciples when the risen Jesus appeared to them. Remember, there were only ten because Judas was gone. And Thomas, John says, wasn't, wasn't with them. So when Jesus appeared to the ten disciples on that Easter Sunday, the day that he rose, um, they were so excited, they went and they looked for Thomas. Thomas, Jesus is risen. 
And then Thomas answers with these words that I'm sure he would love to take back. Have you ever had words that you wish you could just take back? Happens to me every Sunday morning. Let me tell you. So this is what Thomas said. He said, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. So it's a week later, and the other disciples are together with Thomas, and Jesus appears to them again. And Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Jesus says, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. At that moment, Thomas believes. He says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says to him, well, Tom, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who haven't seen me, and they believe anyway. See, this is the issue with Thomas. He didn't believe the testimony, the word of his other disciples. He didn't trust them. They said Jesus is alive, and he didn't trust them. And yet Thomas and those other disciples were about to go out into the world and tell people who didn't even know Jesus that Jesus was alive and that he is the way and the truth and the life. How was Thomas going to do that if he couldn't take the word of someone else? And this is kind of comforting to us because when Jesus talks about those who haven't seen yet believe and how blessed they are, he's talking about us, isn't he? None of us in this room saw the risen Jesus shortly after he rose from the dead. Some of you might claim to be that old, but none of us have seen that Jesus with our eyes. Yet I would hope that most of us in this room believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So, is Thomas' doubt in John chapter 20 that big of a deal? Is that a deal breaker for him to put him down from the top tier of disciples? Because that's where history has kind of regulated him, isn't it? Well, let's take a look at the evidence in the Bible. Let's see what's going on. Let's, let's, let's do some investigative work here. Get your fingers ready. If you have a plain Bible, if you have a digital Bible, get your finger ready. Okay? So we don't have to look very far. Look at John chapter 20, verse 20. It's just right, the passage right before this one. And this is when Jesus is appearing to those ten disciples on the day that he rose from the dead. As Jesus spoke, he held out his hands for them to see. And he showed them his side. And the disciples were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. Did you catch it? Did you see what's going on here? The other disciples were filled with joy after they saw Jesus. Just like Thomas. Just like Thomas. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, the 11 disciples are with Jesus, and it's right before he gave them the instructions that we call the Great Commission. He's about to ascend into heaven from the hilltop. And Matthew 28, 17 says this, that they, when they saw him, 
they worshipped him. They fell down on their face and they worshipped him. But some doubted. Even after seeing Jesus face to face, hearing his voice, he's right in front of them. Some have doubts. Now they're not named which ones doubted. Matthew was kind of, he was, he, he was kind. I mean, I, I mean, he could have thrown them under the bus. But some of them had doubts. More than Thomas. Now we can call him Doubting Thomas if we want to, but he certainly wasn't the only one. The reality is that in some ways, Thomas shows more faith and courage than most of the disciples. Turn back to, to, to John chapter 11. I told y'all we're going to be all over the place. In John chapter 11, we find Jesus and his disciples in, in, a, in a time when they're making a difficult decision. See, Jesus' friend Lazarus had just died. And Jesus was going to go down into the region where Lazarus lived. And we know that he did, and he brought Lazarus back from the dead, remember? But the disciples didn't want to go down to that region because a short while before, some religious leaders tried to stone Jesus to death. And the disciples are thinking, why in the world would we want to go back there, Jesus? That's dangerous. I know your friend died, but they tried to kill you. And it's Thomas who speaks up. And he says, look, guys, if Jesus is going to die, then may we die with him. That's hardly a negative doubting Thomas speaking. That's a man with faith, a man with courage. So why does it take this moment in Thomas's life, why does it take Thomas actually touching Jesus' wounds in order for him to believe if we see such courage in him, such faith? Well, maybe, and this is speculation, but maybe he was thinking of an event that we find in, in Mark chapter 6. See, I told you we're going all over the place. Mark chapter 6, verse 49. Very interesting. When Jesus is walking on the water, remember when he's, when he's walking on the water? He's walking on the water toward the boat, and Mark 6, 49 says that, that the disciples were scared to death because they thought he was a ghost or a spirit. They thought he was a ghost. Now maybe in John 20, Thomas wanted to be sure that this was truly the risen Jesus and not a spirit version of Jesus. Maybe that's why I said, look, i got to touch him. I got to make sure it's just not a, a spirit version of Jesus. And then there's this right before Jesus died in Matthew chapter 24. Is the last place you're going to have to look. I apologize. Matthew 24, verses 23 and 24. Jesus warns his disciples, he gives them a heads up about something. He says, Look, after I'm gone, if anyone comes to you and says that they're the Messiah, don't believe them. He's warning them that false prophets are going to come and go, even using miraculous signs and wonders to deceive people. So they need to be careful 
and have a lot of discernment about frauds. And maybe, perhaps, Thomas wanted to see the wounds to make 100% sure that this person before him was truly Jesus and not an imposter. And then finally, I think it's important for us to take a look at Thomas' own words when he encounters the risen Jesus. I think Thomas, in this moment in John 20, shows a really good sense of self-awareness and honesty. I mean, he freely admits that he won't believe without physical proof. He admits his doubt. He admits it. He's not trying to hide it. That's better than we do sometimes. There are times when we try to hide things. We don't want anybody to know about our doubts, so we just hide everything with a Christian smile. Sometimes we go for years doubting the work of God in our lives. We even may doubt that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but we don't want anybody to know. Maybe we think people are going to judge us, or maybe there's social pressure not to have any doubts. We have to be perfect. Thomas freely admitted that he wouldn't believe until he saw Jesus with his own eyes. But look at the text. Once he saw Jesus, those doubts were gone forever. Thomas saw a human being right in front of him, but he believed that that human being was God. That takes a lot of faith. And notice, notice how wonderful Jesus is with Thomas. He doesn't criticize him. He has patience with him. Jesus used that moment not to condemn Thomas. He doesn't say, woe are you. But he uses this moment to teach him a life lesson about what it means to have faith. See, faith doesn't need proof. Faith comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to convince us. Now, doubts come in when we want to be in charge of our faith. That's when the doubts come. See, but we can never convince ourselves to have faith in Jesus. Because the more we try to believe something, the more doubts creep in. Have you ever noticed that in life? I just, I try hard, I try hard, I try hard to be faithful to God. I try hard to believe. But the more effort we put into our own relationship with Jesus, the harder it is to have that faithful relationship with Jesus. That's because using human reasoning to believe eternal truths leads only to human reasoning. Because we have to invite the Holy Spirit to do the convincing in us. See, God is too great for our gray matter to understand. That's why Jesus says that we're blessed when we believe without proof. See, our faith is actually a gift from God that produces joy in our lives. Some of you here may have doubts today. 
You may doubt that God is working in your life. You may have doubts that Jesus is who he is. You even may, maybe there's someone here who has doubts that Jesus even came back from the dead. I can tell you this, if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, then we're all alone. Might as well just go home. Because if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, Christianity can't exist. If Jesus isn't alive today, there's no point in praying. Because who are you talking to? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, all that waits for us when we die is just a long sleep. Listen, the disciples themselves were so convinced that Jesus rose from the dead that they willingly gave their lives over to be killed for that belief. Believe it. Jesus is alive. He's here. And if you have doubts, don't be like a doubting Thomas. But be like an honest Thomas who shared his doubts. In just a few minutes, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. That's, it's not just a memorial meal of what Jesus did for us. It's a celebration that the risen Jesus is right here with us. Some of you may have heard the popular Christian song. It's on the radio. And there's a line that goes like this in that song. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. That means you. The same power that brought Jesus Christ back from the dead lives in you. Believe it. And live it. Don't just believe. Live like you know what you believe. Because look what happened when that Holy Spirit power got a hold of those bewildered, doubting disciples. They changed the course of human history. We wouldn't be here were it not for them. Jesus is alive and he's in your life and he wants to do a great thing through you. Even you. Let's pray.